Hi, this is Frank, the co-host of the show. Just a quick advertisement and we'll get started. The show is brought to you by Viral Marketing, which is my firm, and Chris Waters, who offers a way to scale his real estate team systems fast and profitably in your market. I mean, he's done over a thousand transactions a year in Austin. It's a business in a box, if you will. Anyway, I encourage you to go to getviral.com and download a free copy of our official video marketing plan that we recommend uh, you implement to stay in better touch with your database uh, using video and social media and email so more people call you to list their home. I also want you to go to themilliondollarrealestateteam.com and get yourself a free copy of Chris's book he wrote on how he earned after expenses, this is net profit, $1 million in only three years since starting his team. So that's it. No more commercial. And let's get to the show. One, two, three, go. All right, do it. The Listing Lead Show. So welcome to the Listing Lead Show. I'm Frank Klesich, your co-host. I'm with Chris Waters, my co-host, where we wanted to create a podcast. You've been listening on just what people are doing to get listing leads. And I think I say this in the show a few times. We were just on iTunes looking around like, what's the podcast we want to listen to? And a lot of these podcasts were pretty wide in scope. We wanted to create something where it's like, what am I doing to get sellers to call me to list their house? And we figured we'd go around the country and figure out the brightest minds of who were doing just that and create a podcast for you with some, hopefully, some intelligent questions. I like to think they're good, solid, intelligent questions uh, to get the information that you need, that if you're looking to list property and just get sellers calling to list their house, well, listen to this show and you'll learn how to do it. So I'm Frank Lezitz. My firm is Viral Marketing. I'm the co-host of the show. And Chris Waters has sold thousands of houses. One of the top realtors in the country, uh, ranked by the Wall Street Journal and pretty much anyone else you can rank by in Austin. And we're joined by our guest today, uh, Stephen. Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit, Stephen Gendel, I apologize. Tell us a little bit about your market, where you're at, your average price point. Give us a little idea of kind of where you stand production-wise in your market so we get a little context before we start drilling you with questions and what you're doing to get listings, specifically with predictive seller scores. So we're going to talk to the Stephen does. He, he spends money on really high-end data of people who are a little bit more likely than not to sell their homes and you market to them. We're going to dive into that. So Stephen, give us a little foundation of where you're at. Sure. So I'll give you a little bit of my background. So I spent 10 years in the high tech space, left that industry in 2002. And the last piece of software I actually sold was artificial intelligence oh, wow. software in 2002, before we knew what artificial intelligence really was. And left that space for family reasons, got into real estate in 2002. I'm a fourth generation realtor. So you were doing artificial I, intelligence I before 2002? Yeah, that was the last piece of software I sold. <laughs> We saw it was about one to two million dollars uh, installation of our software in inside major corporate networks. So you've watched this stuff grow for decades. Yeah, it's just a matter of when it hit real estate. And the reason it took so long to hit real estate was we had disparate data and we didn't have cell phones that connected all of our data together on the back end. Got it. Oh, this is going to be interesting. I'm excited for this interview. So you got into real estate, you're selling houses. <laughs> um, how many houses did you sell this year? What do you think you're going to do? Average selling price, market you're in? This year, my team and I will do about, yeah, so our average price is about 500000 to five fifty. I'm in northern New Jersey, right outside New York City, about 35 minutes in an area okay. called Livingston, New Jersey. Um, I own a Keller Williams franchise, and I also run a team of four people. We'll do about $30 million this year for about 40 units. So that'll up our average price to about six twenty-five. But our average usually is between 5 to 6 So you're also the OP of the Keller Williams office? Yes, 
And How many I'm also ages the do you regional, have? I'm also a regional technology director and area director for Keller Williams in our region, covering New York City, Long Island, Connecticut. Okay, so you're the OP running a team. You're a busy man. And how many agents are in your office? 170. Wow. Um, and I you, also man. own four other companies, real estate related, on top of that. Okay. So I guess here's my first question. I ask everyone, this is the first question if we stay on task, <laughs> is what is the number one way you're getting listings? How are you getting listings? Tell us. What is the secret? I mean... The dirty little secret is your business is your database. You've probably heard that before. And with my database and using Likely AI's database refresh for the past six months, I dump all my data into that every six months. It tells me who to focus my efforts on, and I go after those people. Quick um, question there. Um, so you've been using like Likely.ai for six months? Actually, longer. I've been using their services for almost two years. Um, but I used the different services that they offer, but I got really excited about the database refresh product because I have 3,200 contacts in my database. My question I ask myself every morning is who's moving? Nothing gets me angrier than when I see someone who listed their home that's in my database that I should have known about. So just for clarity, like month one through month 18, what product did you, you use at likely.ai? Uh, it's called likely sellers. Okay. And it gave me a data set of every potential seller in my county. The challenge with that is implementation of getting to those people who don't know me. So I'm like a cold caller yep. versus people. I'd rather do warm calls, Chris, all day long. What were the So I'd rather call people who know me and trust me. What were the commonalities of the attributes when you looked at those um, prospects in that database? The biggest commonality were, was were they, like, they had some reason to move, usually job transfer or financial. And um, so likely – AI is pulling that based off events recorded in social media or how are they extracting those? No, they're did. I mean, look, I don't know their algorithm backwards and forwards, but their algorithm is looking at a combination of age, how many people live in the home, who owns the home, when do they last refi, um, how much is left on their current mortgage, um, uh, updates to the home, tax records to the home. Social media is a very small part of the process because anyone could like something or say they're going to Home Depot. That doesn't mean they're moving. I'll comment on that really quick. Um, Chris, go type in data robot into Google. These are algorithm. Like when someone says there's an algorithm, these are services that help you write your own algorithm. So what you do is you go to a company like Black Knight or Adam or maybe Franklin American or CoreLogic that basically has like all the property data on consumers. Um, and then you take that data, uh, usually, a, usually a property address or maybe more specifically the mailing address. And then you go to these big companies like um, Epsilon or uh, Axiom. Um, these are the companies that, or um, Oracle has a product called, I think like Data Logics. Like, you know, like when you, sign your privacy agreement that they're selling off all your information or, you know, like you get your points on your credit cards. So they're selling off what you buy under credit card or you're selling off your iPhone location history or you're selling off like what you, when you, what, what, what things you search for online. They're building these profiles on Americans of like thousands of data points of behavior, psychographic, you know, profiling. And you can go to these behavior based databases and then, 
basically upload the property records and you can start modeling through an algorithm, something like using a service like Data Robot, and there's other ones, of saying, hey, who's probably going to move based upon life events, based upon their purchase behavior and consumer behavior that we're tracking, uh, and then spit out a list of names that you reach out to. Is that the gist of it, Stephen? Yeah, that's exactly the gist of the likely seller product to a T. Yep. Perfect. And and I got into this about four years ago, knowing that algorithms had matured enough to the point that we should have been able to do this maybe 10 years ago with algorithms. And what's it going to take to get this into a real estate space? So I actually personally invested in another company that did this, that Remax actually bought. Um, the data set that they provided got worse over time. So I was kind of happy that likely was the only one left standing in this space afterwards and started working with them after my other investment got bought. So explain to me how database refresh works. I mean, how good is you see so you have 3,200 names that know who you are. I mean, do you have their first name, last name, property address, phone, email? So when you upload it to likely, like you give them the most information possible to come back with a clear match. You want to make sure you have the most information possible. I had either name, phone number, name, email, or name address as a bare minimum. Once you have that, they run it against their algorithm of potential sellers and your database and then score your database on a ranking oh, of- Oh, because they run it against the predictive sellers already in the market and your database. Correct. Correct. Ah. And then they come back and say to you, based on our algorithm, these people are likely to move, scoring at 99% likely to move in the next nine months, down to 52%, down to below 52%, they're not a match. So take my 3,200 person database. I came back with a list of 678 potential sellers out of my database of 3,200 How many were between 90 and 100? Right. How many would you say were between 90 and 100 um, that you would like, oh, I got to talk to those people? Right away, there was uh, 15 at the top, which I got four listings from this month from. So, Boom. so the cost justified the expense, justified the phone call. Um, one of them never went on market. Like literally, I went over to their house. I said, okay, guys, when do you want to put your home on the market? And they told me. And then they said, why don't you ask a few people if they want to buy our home? I made two phone calls and found a buyer and brought them over. That's incredible. I'm just curious. When you, when you call these people up, so yeah. you're just like, what did you say? Hey, I ran you through an algorithm and I think you're thinking about selling your house. So it's just a typical... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, hey, I've been tracking your behavior, by the way, and it's really great to know that I know something that you don't know about your life. Um, no, it's it's a pretty straightforward conversation. It's, hey, it's Stephen. How are you? Haven't spoken to you in a while. What's happening? Um, let me give you a quick market update. And usually, once you say that, it's you know, Stephen, we're actually thinking of moving. And when you when you when you get when deeper to the motivation, talk? what did likely pick up on? Like, you have to be curious, man. You're an AI. Like, you have to be like, what were they doing that likely picked up on? Yeah. Um, so yeah, one particular client of mine, um, when I called him, uh, it was mm -hmm. a financial reason, like likely picked up on the fact that he's an older gentleman living alone in a very large house and somehow picked up that he really needed to get out financially. Um, on another client, it was really funny. Um, I don't know how they picked this up, but it turned out he wasn't moving. Cause I said to him, I said, you, you, know, you bought your home for me five years ago. How's it going? What's up with your house? How are your kids? You know, typical reconnecting with my client. He's like, Stephen, everyone's good. The house is great. 
but uh, my mom passed away two months ago and we need to sell her townhome. So it picked yep. up on something yep. that made me give that phone call that drove to a listing. Um, another one picked up on the fact that the kids were graduating from high school and this was their last year in high school and they wanted to get out of town once their kid was out of high school. That's incredible. So it's a different way, but you have to assume a couple things. One, if they're in your database, you probably already know them. And you have the right phone number. And if you and yeah. you have to have the right phone number. Now, if you don't have the right data set in terms of phone numbers or an email address or a home address, you can skip trace the data through likely and fill in the blanks. But it's always easier to make a warm phone call to someone who knows you, who you already have a relationship with, who's in your database. For whatever reason, you lost touch because of time or circumstances or life. And you're reconnecting them to just say, hey, here's what's going on with the real estate market. Have you ever thought about moving? Because we have a lack of inventory right now. And they say yes. What would you say in your database is more important for the match? Address, phone number, email? Because let's face it, like I'd everyone's... Say address, I'd say address is most important. Address is most important to get an accurate match. Yeah. You know what's funny, yep. Chris? Um, I was at Keller Williams' family reunion. This is a couple years ago. And uh, KW was announcing KW Command. Maybe you were there, Stephen. And um, he's like, okay, this was um, in New Orleans. And um, yep. Gary's like, we're going to turn on command and everyone's going to upload their lists. And I think the next day, Gary yelled at everyone in the audience because I think like it was like a single digit number had actual mail physical addresses for their database. Right. And he's right. like, hey, you're all realtors. and You don't even know where your people live. Right. right? And yep. um, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, you can't direct mail them because all the digital stuff is getting harder and harder to reach people, generally speaking, in the direction of history. Um, sure. But you can't append behavior data. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, you're you're really at a loss. If you don't have those addresses for your database, you can't append the behavior data, which is exactly what you said, Stephen. Right. So yeah. most important is name and address. I can find a phone number. I can find an email address. I got to go to the tax records or some other source and get that data in there because that's the key to making an algorithm really work is where do you live? Yeah, besides likely to AI to find a phone number, to append a phone number to a mailing address, are there other skip tracing sources that you like of where you go to find phone numbers, Stephen? Um, actually, I'm using theirs and so far so good. That's I'm happy. Great. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's truly, I'm a key, look, this tech stuff can get overwhelming for a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm a real keep it simple, stupid. Keep doing this one thing over and over again until someone stops you from doing it and then find a better way to do it because I don't need to run. There's no way. So how often do you send your database over to them? Do they just live monitor it? Yeah, so they, no, so um, they don't live monitor it yet. Right now it's every six months. Because I only have 678 people now in my database that I have to focus on for the next nine months. God, if that's how you look at it. So you submit the list, they kick out, you know, a percentage of the list with, a, with a score right. between like 50 to 100. Right. And you yeah. probably start right away working the highest scores and nurturing the ones farther down the list. Yeah. And you submit your list to them, what, twice a year? Yeah, twice a year. And I'll, I'll use my mom who's been in this business for 40 plus years. 19, or just 40 years now. 1982, my mother got her license. Still in the business. I took her database of 700 contacts, uploaded it. We found 71 matches. First thing I do is I call her. I say, hey, so-and-so is moving. They're a 99% match against the algorithm. And she said to me, I know. I spoke to him yesterday. 
but they're hiring their daughter who's a realtor. And I totally understand that. But they wanted to give me the heads up. They were listing their home tomorrow. I just started laughing. Like that was hysterical to me that it was right there. The first match was listing the next day. Stephen, why isn't every agent that joins your Kelly William office do this? If you take uh, them are. through, if you, if, you, if you take them through Ignite, this is one right. of the first things you do. Why is this not offered to every agent in your office? Um, it is now. It is. It is. Yeah. Like, like Frank, understand realtors and community. So, realtors think, and this is not a bash on realtors. This is just a bash on how we train realtors. Realtors have this really cool piece of technology in front of them. We'll call it a computer. It's been <laughs> out for a while. And they still believe that they have this really cool tool to mass market to whatever about, I'm a realtor, I'm going to tell everyone. And the problem is today, because of technology and iPhones and interconnected data and and Wi-Fi everywhere, all this stuff that we're talking about, algorithms, et cetera, that we, we need to change our mindset to be micro-marketers on a mass scale and not mass marketers on a mass scale. And I think the realtors think, I just got to tell everyone I'm a realtor because that's what everyone tells me to do. And I say, no, if we have an algorithm that tells you who's moving, let's talk to those people. Your business Steven, this is, is the your future. Database. This is the future, yeah. isn't it? Well, yeah. I, and this is the example I used on a phone call the other day. I said to someone, you do understand that I watch Shark Tank religiously. And I watch people go on Shark Tank all the time and say, oh, yeah, we launched our product by going on TV and doing a national marketing campaign. And realtors still think that mindset. And no one on Shark Tank has ever said that. What do they say? Well, we went on Facebook. We looked at our audience. We segmented our market. We targeted our people. Well, what mm -hmm. likely AI is doing with their database refresh is looking at your database, targeting your market, and telling you who's moving. I mean, that's incredible. You know, I've been around data for a long time. And it was only a matter for someone like Brad, who's brilliant, who runs Likely. Um, and again, we're not getting paid for this. We're not taking any money for this interview. We, Chris and I were sitting down and we're like, who's using behavior, artificial intelligence data to get listings? And Brad's name came up and I'm like, hey, who's the best client? Who's doing this? And we found you and you came on the show and I thank you for that. You said your number one listing source is taking your database of the people you know, uploading it to their refresh product, and then getting a list of the people that are most likely to move based upon last events and start calling and reaching out to the people that score the highest. Just seeing what's going on in their life. Is that, is that the secret? Yeah, that's the secret. And then the next group, everyone who's a 75% match or less gets a letter. I just have a, you know, a, a golden letter, I call it, just kind of giving them a market update, talking about inventory, talking about life, life issues that might make them move. And please call me if they're thinking of moving. So that letter is going out to them before I can get to that phone call, but I'm going to call them two days later. And you're doing a letter, not a postcard. A letter. A, a letter, a personal letter. Hand, hand stamped, handwritten address. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be a, a letter because most people, as we know, open their mail over the garbage can. Yep. A pile. But a if it's hand address, they, yeah, if they hand address it, man, they open it. Got it. So that goes out to the list, mail it out, and then, it, then they all get a call from you a couple of days later. Correct. 
And then I put them on a five-touch letter campaign of five more letters over five weeks. Oh, wow. Same type of letter? Uh, similar. They, they've, uh, they modify a little bit. And you're just, they've and you're just fulfilling this all in-house, like in your office? Um, I, have, you, I mean, I use, I use an outside company for the letter writing, but yes. Oh, so you're using a company. You send the list to them, and then they handwrite it manually on the front. Yep. Correct. Got it. What's the company? Yeah, I'm too... Uh, it's called yellowletterscomplete.com. Got it. And there's there's several of those services out there that like kind of write the handwriting yep. on the front. Yep. Great. Okay. And it's actually true handwriting. I won't they have a computer it's, generated version. You use, I won't use that. You version. use the human I beings actually, writing it. Yeah, I, I need it. a human doing it. Okay. I like imperfection. Imperfection marketing is going to be a future conversation about <laughs> how imperfection actually gets attention because it doesn't look no, normal. You're, Dude, if you know me more, we, we just met, but I've been saying these things for years. A part of the viral marketing system, you know, everyone thinks they come to us for social media and video. I'm like, well, yeah. we need to take a small segment of your list of a couple hundred people and get them a monthly personal letter as a part of our system for the 36 yeah. touch. That's right. So, and for and for us, like for me, like when I say the same thing like you, Frank, micro marketing on a mass scale, you go, oh, that makes sense. Well, to me, it does, but to most people, it doesn't. Most people don't get that conversation. So now, my whole focus for 2022 is 678 people, not 3,200. Got it. So I would assume your 3,200 can get like you know your broadcast emails and custom audience on Facebook, like yeah, getting the viral plan. But you're going deep with phone calls and direct mail on the 600 and some. Well, it makes my life a lot easier to know who I'm focused on. Got it. Okay, so let's move on. So, so Likely has this product for the database this refresh, right? Which is your number one source because it's much easier to call it people you know that we don't know. Nothing new there, except obviously <laughs> the data. <laughs> and, and they and, know who to call. And, yeah, and the fact that you're using personal direct mail. Right. Uh, of kind of how you stay in touch with like the bottom part of the list. Right. That scores a 75 or less. Let's move on to your second best lead source. If I can make the assumption, I mean, are you using Likely's likely to sell lists for the whole county? Yes, but I target certain areas in my county. So I won't go after my whole county just because of where I want to focus my efforts. It's also huge. Uh, so do you buy, do you buy the whole? Yeah. Okay. So for the second lead source, let's just talk about this because we're on the likely.ai concept. You can also purchase all the likely sellers in the entire county. Correct. If you if you do that in your county, what's your county, Morris? Uh, Essex. Essex. If you purchased all the likely sellers in Essex, how many would probably come back in their list for a um, given month? Some months it's five hundred. Some months it's eight hundred. Some months it's four hundred. So it's not that many. No, relatively speaking, but you but still it wouldn't even. Up, it starts adding up pretty quick, month over month. When you're looking at all of a sudden, you got an extra twenty five hundred names now. You got to go after. Got it. Okay. So, what do you do with those lists? How do you work the cold? So, you, you have your warm list you upload likely, but how do you work the cold list that you get new every single month? Uh, I have a second letter writing campaign sent out by Yellow Letters Complete that starts letter writing to them. Um, and Brandon and I talked about this. You'll laugh. I that letter writing campaign went out and my phone rang. Uh, this is about, about a year ago. My first time doing this, my phone rang and a woman said, hi, I want you to come list my $26 million home. And he's like, is this a I joke? Just, no, I, I thought it was <laughs> well, a joke. I looked, up, yeah. I looked up the property and she had it listed for $19 million two years ago. And I, I call, I called her back and I said, full disclosure, I've never listed a home that price point before. 
I said, what makes you think your home is worth $26 million? And she gave me her whole story. And I said to her, I don't think this is the right time for you to be selling your home. And based on what I'm seeing, your home is probably really worth only eight or nine million. If you're okay eight or nine. That, <laughs> yeah. I said, if you're okay at that number, I'll be really happy to come over. But if you're not okay at that number, um, I think we should just part friends now before I leave my house in the middle of COVID. And uh, we decided not to list her home and she didn't put it on the market with anyone. But I stay in touch with her now. However, that was my first phone call from the letter writing campaign from the Likely Sellers. So um, from the Likely Seller campaign, we got a $500,000 listing and a $1.2 million listing. Let's call this the cold cold Likely Sellers. Yeah, the cold Likely Sellers. This is the second pillar here. Yeah. Yeah, the second. So the first way is you work your warm database to find Likely Sellers. And the second pillar is you just get all the the entire county. Yep. And then you drill it down by the zip codes that you want. Is that correct? Correct. And then target a, a five-touch campaign at them through the yellow letters complete and hope my phone rings. And usually it does, actually. What's the cadence between the letters? How many weeks do you go before you mail letter one, two, three, four, five? It's every other week. Got it. So week, they get a letter, like a 10-day break, next letter, 10-day break, next letter, 10-day break. Wow. Sounds simple. Well, Frank, you've done this long enough. Chris, you've done this long enough. The biggest challenge for most realtors is implementation. Why direct? Why direct? Why, why, direct, don't no, why don't you just cold call them all? Um, less and less people are answering their phone based on the numbers they don't recognize. Especially in your market. So, very educated. Uh, yes. I would think. I'm dealing with a higher educated four-year college degree or higher audience who has high net worth. Um, it's a tight community. The funny part is when I find out they're somehow friends with me on Facebook. So it's a little bit easier to reach out through that medium. Like some reason we're friends on Facebook. I don't know how. So I'm able to send them a direct message while the letters are going out to try to up the opportunity. However, um, cold calling doesn't seem to get through and it's a lot easier to, to respond to a letter that's not threatening. It sounds Stephen. I want you to bring some questions in here because I know you hopped off here a bit for Chris with tech issues. Um, that this has brought you focus. What I hear with this, you know, high seller intent, um, likely to AI lists, is you're incredibly focused to get your listings because you just well, work these lists. Let's again. We talked about it before. Most people do a little bit of some things in real estate and not one thing in real estate to take a Gary Keller book. I have one lead source. It's my database. It's who I'm calling and that's it. Everything else is nice to talk about. It's too difficult to go after a little bit of everything. You end up getting nothing that way. And you've been in business for 20 years. So that's why you have 3,200 people on your list. Correct. What's the makeup of your 3,200 people? Um... And make up how so age-wise. Uh, no, uh, how did you age- get them? Are these, are these past clients, sphere, buyer leads? Like what? Sphere, past client, buyer leads, friends, family, friends of family. Um, you'll laugh. A home we just listed uh, two weeks ago. That was a client from, I sold her software in 1994. <laughs> she bought software from me for six years in the software industry. I got into real estate. I've sold two houses for her. She bought a house with me. I've sold her dad's house. I'm selling her brother's house. Like her brother's buying a home with me. Like it's a sphere database, past customer relationship, family members. Chris, how many, if you took your database of past clients, warm leads, you know, all your good stuff and your huge list that you have there at 
Waters International. How many of those would you say have an actual physical address attached to them? Because that's that's what you need to get the really best appended data that comes back. Do you, would you know that? Could you guesstimate? Yeah, I probably have just north of 200,000 records in Austin and another 120,000 <laughs> records in San Antonio. Like the whole, how, how many homeowners are in Austin? 400,000. Single family homes. So you yeah. have half the city. <laughs> so you have half the city. Do you have their addresses in your database? Mailing addresses, phone numbers. Some of them we have emails. And we should do this, man. If you, I mean, what questions do you have about artificial intelligence? Well, my, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about what likely.ai can do. And I've, and I've talked to, what's the guy's name over there at likely.ai? Super nice guy. Brad. Brad yeah. Talked to Brad. Brad. Um, he was living in Austin for quite some time. I think he just relocated somewhere else. But um, yeah, I'm just, um, I don't know anybody that's done this at scale and validated its utility. I know of a lot of like one-off cases where people are, um, you know, having success doing, you know, getting a couple deals a month or couple dozen deals. Um, I just don't know anybody doing it with a high degree of accuracy at scale. I have an answer to that. So Stephen, follow me on this, what Chris is trying to say. And I'm, and I'm in a little bit of a unique situation, right? I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this show and you're a solo agent or you have a small team, like it makes a lot of sense to, to test it. You don't have a lot to lose. And I think there's a lot of validity to this. I, I, I tested um, about four years ago a platform called Reevaluate, and they were pulling uh, data points out of Facebook. And so I put in like my personal sphere from when I was working as a realtor ten years ago, and like was looking into each of the people with high probabilities of selling. It was pretty. It was pretty interesting. Like you know, if somebody you know went from being married to single on their Facebook page, right? Like their, their score shot up and sure enough, they relocated and they may or may not have bought a house. And so it, you know, it was, um, I, I think there is some validity and, and there is some accuracy to it. I'm just, you know, to a point Stephen brought up earlier is what's the, you know, once you, once you have the list, what's the follow through and, and then, I'm, you know, my questions probably are not relevant to the audience in terms of well, how to yeah, you're uh, thinking execute at scale. Huge. Steven, here's how I proposed this to Brad of how I was thinking about data, because this is new in how you think about it. Like, you obviously have to spend money on the data, and you're better off just spending more mail on cheaper data. That's really the question. So I, I looked at turnover rates. I said, okay, let's take, I don't know, the entire county, and let's I forget how you divide it, but you divide it in some way where how many homes sold in the past 12 months and figure out the percentage, right? So I don't know. Popular strategy with yeah. you know, figuring out where to I would to take the entire county direct mail. Yeah. and say, okay, here's all the single family homes in the entire county and how many single family homes sold in the past 12 months, divide it, get a percentage. I don't know what it is, call it 5%, all right? Um, so there's 100,000 homes, 5,000 sold. I don't know, Chris. I'm just curious. What do you think of the 400,000 homes in Austin? How many how many sell a year? Um, 
So total number of, of sides is roughly 60,000, but mm -hmm. actual like homes sold is so 30 percent. So out of 400,000 single family homes, 30,000 sold, whatever okay. the math is on that. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, seven, so seven, eight percent. My question would be is Brad, what's the turnover rate in your list? You know, if you were to give me 600 names, would 60 sell in the next 90 days? Would 50 sell? Because what Brad does is he can backdate the list, Chris. So he'll sell you a list, you know, for, you know, whatever the, whatever the charge is, say, for um, October. Um, we're recording this in November. So November, December, or January, maybe come February, you'll say, hey, that list I sold you in October Here's how many homes actually traded in that list. Is that right, Stephen? Yeah, yeah there has to be a time frame. And if you look so at whatever whatever you my data set, it's predicting 21% of my data set. So we'll say my algorithm says over the next nine months, 21% of the people on this list will sell their house. Right. And yeah, I'm going to come back well, to you, you that time frame, so. and tell you how accurate I was. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's backdating the prediction. So that's probably the best thing that I could provide for you, Chris, is how to maybe think about it. What do you, what do you think about that? In terms of like validating, and yeah, in terms of yeah. validating accuracy, and then, for sure. And, and I have to tell you guys, I'm going back to the four years ago when I used that other product. Um, it started off really accurate, and it was more of a swipe left, swipe right based on your phone contacts in your phone, who was moving. And I got a couple listings right away from it, but then the data quality went down and it wasn't just so much based on my contacts. So when I saw the data set changing and the quality of the contacts and the lack of true listing leads plummet to near zero, well, then you became worthless to me. So when I found Brad, I was like, you're not worthless with what you're providing in terms of a data set of analyzing my data. I think what I'm level. hearing here, Stephen is go ahead chris frank what do you what like when you think about what the campaign looks like to reach out to those folks yep. you know you've got mass email you've got text mass texts you've yep. got um email. IP targeting yep. you've got email direct mail yep. um you know when you and and when you try to take into consideration being mindful of your acquisition costs on for a listing you know what is the most effective, direct mail. least expensive. Direct mail, campaign. dude. I mean, I've tried. But at direct mail, the, the kicker with direct mail, though, is, is like, you know, what's, um, let's say, for example, you're mailing 200,000 homes. <laughs> Which um, nobody listening to this podcast does, but go on. Yeah. You know, it's like that could really crush your acquisition costs. But then again, I guess if you can validate the accuracy of the turnover rate, you know, then that um, changes you know, things. So because you you know, ideally a high probability of those 200,000 people should be willing to sell. And somebody has to have the guts to actually spend that come money on the direct mail buy. You know, Chris, something you should sign up for that I think anyone could enjoy. There's a service called Who's Mailing What. If you Google Who's Mailing What, um, what this company does is they'll actually pay you and you just send them all your junk mail. <laughs> so they just get junk mail from around the country and then they scan it and then they classify it by industry and marketers subscribe to it to see who's mailing what. So if I want to see what open door or um, realtors or any real estate niche is mailing. What's interesting about 
um, OfferPad and Opendoor is they are crushing direct mail on a national level. Correct. So I, I would yeah. love to know so, like what does their data model look like to determine who to mail? Well, they're probably going to some giant Wall Street firm that's doing what Brad's doing at like with an AI at a super high scale and mailing it. And then it just comes to the point, okay, if I'm buying all that, there has to be some inflection point of like, I'm buying all this data. When does it become more cost effective just to say the hell with the data and just mail everybody where <laughs> it's a penny a record? You know, there's probably some point, but we're getting into huge, where that question isn't even relevant to the audience here. You know, I, I would go back to what Steve and what you're saying is here's the key principles is you need a way to get sellers. And you said, I'm going to start with my database, but I just don't want to slog through my whole list one by one by one. I want to figure out who's looking to sell. Now, one of the things that viral that we do is I would normally say, let's just send out a video email to your whole list and let's title the video. Three things you must know before you sell your home this winter. Right. Got it. And we would send that video. Yeah. We would send that video out and Steven, I'd give you a list of all people that watched it. And that would be kind of my own little uh, predictive analytics viral.ai list. <laughs> well, now, now you're going from 678, let's say down to 200. So those are the 200 that are really yeah. moving. Sure. Right? I mean, so that, that is one way. So if you're a viral client or I don't know, you're just, you know, sending email to your list, you know, send the email to your list that has some video on the three things you must know before you sell your home and see who clicks on it. And it's an easy way to kind of get a little predictive score, if you will, a lead score, they would call it lead scoring of your list and maybe follow those people, but you're taking a whole new level where you take that same list that you can send an email out to upload it to Lightfoot AI, you know, or just to be independent, any service that has a um, database refresh. And you have to make sure you have mailing addresses because that gets you the more accurate data, right? And they will append it and give you back the list. And your big thing was to call the people that scored 75 or higher and work those people personally. And then you would put a five-step mailing campaign on everyone below 75 or below. And I would argue mail is the best because if you append phone numbers, they're not accurate. And they ain't going to answer. And you're just a spam call. And if you try to append emails, most of the emails are bad. And now you're just an email spam. And then um, if you take a look at what El Toro uh, is the big company, right, uh, Chris? El Toro? Yeah, there's a couple of them out there. El Toro. Yeah, but you could, you could arguably call them up and upload the addresses to El Toro and they'll match it to like, you know, running ads just to people in the household. But that's really expensive. You have to do that at a large scale. You just, you just can't call El Toro up and say, I got a list of a thousand people, right, Chris? Yeah, you have to spend a minimum of, um, I think it's 10,000. Okay, so that's IP targeting is going to be for really high level stuff. So direct mail is yeah, so personal direct mail is a secret go, there, down, go back to the personal direct mail. Like if you use the, the plan that I've set up, I'm spending $5.29, including postage per, per household. Yeah. Per, per lead. So for a five-touch campaign at 678 people, that's not a lot of money. Have you and figured out your acquisition cost? Like, So if you're doing this process, what does it cost you to get a listing? Um, I haven't figured it down to that number yeah. yet because – with the database refresh update that we just ran, you know, it was six months ago, it was a lot different than it is now. So my cost went down for the refresh product because you're only paying in the refresh product for targeted matches before you, t- you pay for your entire database. Now you're only paying for the targeted matches. Got it. Good job, Brad. We have, we have a lot of people that listen to this show. We have a lot of really, really smart people that listen to the show. 
Mm-hmm. We've never done this before, Frank, but I would like to pose a question to the audience, which is if you could have an infinite amount of data of potential sellers, what would be the attraction-based marketing campaign you would build to get those people to call you or voluntarily raise their hand, i.e. send you an email, call, DM you? What would that campaign look like to create an attraction-based campaign, have them voluntarily reach out to you? If it was a really strong list, if the list was like 90 and higher on the likelihood AA score, I'll tell you exactly what I would do. I mean, I know we're trying to propose it to the audience, but there isn't one. And it can't be, and it can't be calls. It they have to voluntarily reach out to us. And it needs to be more around like brand equity building versus direct response where you're just hammering somebody and hope they call you. I'm gonna give my answer. And Steven, maybe you could try this. Okay. I go, would go grab a prepaid um priority express envelope from the post office. I would stuff it with, I don't know, offers. <laughs> Figure out how to do that with like an instant buyer program like that with a cover letter. And I would call the person up or I'd email them, say, hey, I got a really important package to message you. I want to send you. I just want to confirm your best mailing address. You will have to sign for it. It's going to be sent to you via priority mail with signature confirmation. And then I let the postman do all that work. The postman drives out there, knocks on the door. They're not there. They leave a note. They try again, knocks on the door, they try four times, leave it out in the door. And then that person literally has to show up at the door to sign for it. If they don't, they have to drive but over to the post office to sign for the package. That costs $16. If you use USPS Click and Ship, it's $16. They'll come to your house. They'll pick up the package. You put whatever you want in the package. Let's, we're not t- let's not worry what's in the package. That's not really as important. They will literally try four times to leave something on the door. Like you have to sign, and, and they're giving you the tracking updates. You can put their phone number and email where it's like packages at the delivery station, packages out for delivery. So they're getting USPS tracking updates. They're trying to get this thing signed. And this person's going like, what the hell is this? What is going on? And basically I've employed the United States Postal Service that's taking a loss that's being funded by taxpayer money to be my sales team to for $16 to drive out four times to the house and knock on the door to get them to sign for the message. I think it's the market. I think it's the marketing skill so of the you decade. Wouldn't have a, you wouldn't have like a string of, of brand impressions over a period of time. You would just have, I would go all in on one FedEx big bazooka package. launch of $16. But that's just straight up direct response. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, like in the messaging of what they yeah. actually read is important. And so it's going to have to be more direct response related. So, and I know what you do, Frank. Yep, there it is, um, oh, is that- on the screen. I know what you do, Frank, with uh, you. I, I think it's more, if you're asking me, I think it's more how you show up than what you say. I don't think it's what you say. It's the same damn message. I mean, dude, I drive around Nashville, man. I can't, I can, I can't throw a rock and not see Mark Spain's get a guaranteed offer on your home you know, open door will buy your house. You know, Zillow had a whole bunch of houses here. It's like, even in Phoenix, it's the same message. I think a lot of it's just how you show up with it. Those are my thoughts. Steven, what are your thoughts? 
I would do I would do my touch campaign, but I would also do an unbranded campaign, like what I just, you know, a postcard unbranded to see which one they're going to respond to. So if they don't really want to talk to me, I would do an unbranded marketing okay, campaign. Okay, so you would split test it of like, hey, I'd here's me, I'm it. Steven, brand yourself, and then show up you know one me, where you there's know no me. mention of you. Right, you know me, I'm the realtor. And then by the way, here's this postcard that says xyzhomevalue.com. Read the postcard. Right. Let's hear it. Find out what you know, find out what your home is worth online, log on to www.xyzhomevalue.com and then see which one they're going to split test and going to respond to. So they're going to get both from me at the same time. Yeah. And then if they respond to the unbranded one, then I'm just going to call them and say, Hey, it's Steven. Right? <laughs> you've given me the, you know, you've given me a, a, you raised your hand at some point. I'm going to split test it. That's what I'm going to do. You know, who did really good at the unbranded postcards is this guy named Dean Jackson. So Gene Jackson would go into Remind or PropStream or Property Radar or whatever service you have and like export a whole neighborhood. And they would take this really crappy little yellow postcard and put a picture of like a home in the neighborhood on there or the, or the entrance of the neighborhood saying, find out what your Nelson's Creek home is worth. Home prices are up. Go to like nelsonscreekhomevalues.com. Kind of like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. I own I own a, like 75 of those homevalue.com. Put For your town neighborhood? in front of it. Yeah, well, not neighborhoods, but like like Livingston, Short Hills, like all the towns oh, around me and Edward Home Values. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I started that in 2004. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. Chris, what would you do? Frank, you're a big, you're a big fan of yeah. Dan Kennedy. And I'm curious, what are his thoughts when it comes to like brand equity building versus yeah, he hates direct it. response? He, so he, he yeah, hates brand he, equity building? He wrote a book called... Um, there's a book I would read, um, Dan Kennedy brand building book. So yeah, brand building by direct response. So there's a whole book on this question, brand building by direct response. The ultimate Noah Holes barred plan to creating profits from a powerful brand without buying something, whatever. So th the concept of the book is, you know, most people, what you're doing, Chris, will go broke. Billboards, radio, like basically direct mailing every single homeowner in the entire city. Um, what he's more about is like you, you, what you're doing is you're leading the front end with brand building. He says, lead the front end with direct response. So lead the front end with direct response and then crush brand building to the list. So the brand building goes to the opt-in list, but on the front end, it's always hardcore direct response. So you flip it. Got it. So your brand on the front end, he says, no, it's, it is direct response on the front end. And then once you get them to call, once you get them to opt in, then it's hardcore branding to the list. That's the whole premise of the book. Do you like these discussions, Stephen? No one <laughs> knows what I'm talking about when I talk about all this stuff. Yeah, you're talking to pros. And anyone listening to this is a pro. I mean, we... Yeah, I, I, obviously. The people listening to this podcast are probably the, kind of the most forward-thinking marketers in the real estate space. I'm curious. I wonder. So I'm, I'm just thinking about like somebody like Zillow, not their iBuying program. And I'm thinking about Zillow and Redfin from a portal perspective. And I'm just thinking about like how they grew from when the company started in 05 and 06. It's like, what did that, you know, look like for them to build the brand they have and the number of visitors they get to the website now? Was it, you know, AdWord campaigns per Dan Kennedy? that were direct response related and that's how they got top funnel traffic and awareness. And they got people registering on the website and then just 
slowly built up over time and got no, more, more SEO? No, no. Yeah. Chris, in my mind, in my mind, Chris, from a high level, if you go back to the unbranded conversation we just had, Zillow was the largest before they became a licensed realtor, largest unbranded source of real estate information. So what they were just saying to the consumer was, we're not realtors. So you can trust us because we're not salespeople. All we're doing is giving you information. They were the largest unbranded realtor, which is why, why people went there. And now they're the life, they're the largest branded realtor in terms of getting front page you know, traffic. The highest form of marketing, Chris, is creating a product so darn useful you don't even have to advertise it. So Zillow made the MLS available to people without having to go through a realtor. And people talked about it, they shared it, and it just grew. And their marketing was just a matter of marketing didn't drive it. The product itself did it. I mean, Dropbox the same way. Like Dropbox created this first way to like sync files and they had a little nice little affiliate program where if you share it, somebody got free space. I mean, Google spends like no money on advertising because the product's so useful. Like the highest level of marketing is you don't need it. <laughs> Actually, and Frank, you're going to laugh. So there was a product in 1996 that I used when I lived in Silicon Valley called Xbox. It was called XDrive. I remember XDrive. It was, it was Dropbox before Dropbox. We just didn't mm -hmm. have the reason to use files in the cloud. But I had XDrive. I would move my files back and forth between my East Coast and West Coast offices all the time without bringing my laptop anywhere. But mm -hmm. because we didn't have interconnected data and instant access and Wi-Fi everywhere, it went out of business. When I saw Dropbox, I'm like, you guys are XDrive for today's world, right? Yep, I remember and, and, and Chris, in terms of talking about Zillow, you guys are going to laugh. But back in 2002, when I got my license, first website I ever bought was a web name called FreeNewJerseyMLS.com. <laughs> The MLS was free, but Steven. like Zillow making it access, like I literally had an IDX feed back then and no one knew that it was me and I was getting buyer leads before I, I knew what to do with them. Steven, are your agents doing this? Let's, 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 let's wrap this up. Look, I wanted to bring somebody on here that's actually using likely that like, you know, likely selling yeah, predictive. Like, predictive, you know, analytics predictive stuff yeah. for seller leads yep. and you're doing it and everything that I'm hearing from you. Like, I know that works. Like, we're, we speak the same spiritual language of like, yep, that is the answer. There is no question. All right. And I love how when I asked you that question of how you're going to sell leads, you started with the database answer. Then to the cold, you work your Mets before you have it Mets with the predictive scores. And I love how it's direct mail. I love how it's a personal letter. And I love it's sequential. And I love for the top level people you call them. I mean, how, I mean, if you can unlock that to teach your agents at your brokerage, what are you doing to unlock that to all those people that work for you? We actually just did an event last night where to attend, you had to have uploaded your database to Likely. And <laughs> so that was step one. You had to have your, your list of potential sellers. Okay. You, you scored the ones that were the 75% or greater. Yeah. And everyone who was 75% or less, we you the, you either printed out your golden letter and signed it and hand addressed all the envelopes. So we had people last night. We, we paid for postage, envelopes, okay. stationery. You're the only OP that I know that like provides like a marketing support for the agents. It's very rare in offices to give them marketing support. Yeah, we and literally set up a night and we had 20 agents here stuffing envelopes, but they they had printed out their letters and we literally paid for postage and sent out, I don't know how many thousands of letters went so, out last night to their So your marketing, your, your office paid for the postage? 
Oh, of course. Oh my gosh, Stephen, how much easier was it to get them to come and mail letters to a life for the sell list, their database to make cold calls? Pizza works every time. <laughs> oh, pizza? Yes, it was easy. Well, <laughs> pizza, pizza and, and chat and talk about who you need to call and send out these letters works every time. And how many went out last night? Uh, we had 20 agents here. At the very least, each agent sent at a minimum 100 letters. That's incredible. And they printed and they stuffed them from the, in the office? Yeah, we, we helped them print them out. So all they had to do was sign them and they had just had to handwrite their envelopes last night. Is that the new call night? A letter night? Yeah, that's the new call. We called it gold. We called it the golden letter event. The golden letter event. It's a letter night, not a call night. Well, it's a lot easier to do that because you can chit chat while you're stuffing envelopes. And who wants to make calls? I mean, really? if you know the people, it's always easy to make a phone call if you know someone. You know, I, I disagree with you on that, Stephen. I'll <laughs> tell you, man, I I know it's easy for you, but yeah. also you can also say I, I'd rather be rejected by a stranger than someone I know. That's true. That's true. But it's funny when you start calling people that the algorithm says you should be calling, they're always like, wow, you like their memory gets to the jog <laughs> no, moment. It is a little and more exciting their, than their just memory a goes random to this, list. Yeah. Their memory goes to the, I can't believe you called. Your timing's perfect. Or, hey, I was just thinking about moving. I can't believe like it, it's so funny when you hear those reactions because inside I'm laughing. Chris, how many agents are on your team? Um, in Austin, we have uh, – Six, seven listing agents and um, about 15 buy agents. Okay, so take the buyer agents and the listing agents. Say, hey, guys, I want you to export your Gmail. I want you to export your Outlook. I want you to export all the leads you've been assigned to in the company CRM. Right, Chris? So it's their lists. And it's probably only be a couple thousand per each. They all upload them to Likely. They get their excited Likely predictive scores. Are they on the same splits no matter where leads come from? Or is it different? They get a little, they get a little um, higher if it's their own list. They're they're on the same split, but um, their splits do improve. Do as more they deals. Hit Got it. Okay, perfect. Revenue so numbers. you can give them leads, but hey, you guys want to get some of your own leads? Get up higher, higher splits, and do a letter night, Chris. I mean, your office can handle it. You got the printers. You got the office. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny you bring this up. It's very timely. Something we're in the middle of doing right now is um, revamping our thirty day ramp up for new agents. Um, this is for Austin and all 22 markets we're in. Um, and in that 30-day ramp up, what we're doing is we're um, we're looking at using a tool that will extract all of their contact records out of their social media profiles and their um, email uh, provider. Put that into one simple um, list. Um, invite them to a, a business page that we create, the company creates. Um, for example, on Facebook, create a, you know, a business page for the agent and then, um, you know, send a, a link to everybody in their database saying, Hey, go follow me on such and such platform and push. And then as a business, we push on their page, various content and make their, you know, flyers and whatnot. And then, um, and then also run a email campaign, uh, on their behalf to that database to stay top of mind. And then obviously per the viral marketing best practices, the people that um, engage, uh, call them. Set a trigger and automatic to do activity for the agent to call. Yeah. But what if you threw in like a predictive <clears throat> element to that? I think it's worth it. Um, a predictive to, to increase 
basically like, hey, here's also yeah. all those people. Here's the people that are like 90 to 100 on the algorithm. They're likely to sell. Call them now. Mm -hmm. You know, something like I'm toggling back and forth between is, and literally I was just on the phone with the likely.ai guy, Brad, uh, a couple months ago, is um, doing that. Or um, so, for example, with HubSpot, you can get a, uh, a you know, a, you can get an engagement score on HubSpot based off how engaged they are with your marketing campaign. And so oh, yeah, like opening the emails, clicking yeah. the links, going to the website. Yeah. I've right. been teaching that for years. Yeah. So basically, you know, we're, we're kind of the idea we're talking between like right now as we speak is do we, you know, test the likely.ai thing or do we, you know, take all of our agents contacts, load them into the database, market Start to the marketing. And then as the consumers engage, right. And the call. score goes up, then call. I think, both of those answers are predictive analytics. I think you have, that's one way of doing it, which is the engagement of the database of the lead scoring, they call it, or engagement score. And then you have a pending outside data for it. I'm, I so, mean, for us, you know, we're serving 22 markets. So paying likely.ai to do this is very expensive. <laughs> so we probably yeah. would go down the, we're probably leaning towards the HubSpot route of just, um, you know, tracking lead score. And as it reaches a certain threshold, um, call the prospect. Cool. Well, Stephen, I won't take much more of your time. Thank you for the hour today of giving us your insight. Um, is there anything else you want to leave with the audience when it comes to using predictive analytics that maybe a couple of nuggets they could use if they listen to this and said, wow, that's, that's insightful. That brings me focus, brings me some clarity, brings me simplicity, right, Stephen? All those things we talked about. Yep. Direct mail. Yeah. What else are they I know? mean, the one, the one thing is, um, don't do nothing with the data if you decide to go down this path. You've now given yourself an advantage over every other professional, which is I now have data that tells me something. Do something with it. Most people don't implement once they get the data back. They're like, oh, that's yeah. nice. And they throw it aside. And Well, because it's know. not that exciting. It's a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it tells me I'm only focusing on 678 people now. I'm not focusing on 3,200. It's a lot easier for me to target market, to call. If I literally wanted to call 678 people and I just said I'm going to call 10 a day, it doesn't take that long to call them. I'm, I'm two and a half months into the process, Monday through Friday. So this is like keep it simple, stupid to make a lot of money and build a big business and all of a sudden have all these listings that no one else has. Keep it simple, stupid. To make a lot of money, to build a big business, having something no one else has. Is that the title of the show, Chris? <laughs> we'll work Don't on overthink it. Yeah. Hey, Don't overthink it. Steven, thank you so much for your time today. If you guys want to listen to more of the Listing Lead Show, go to listingleadshow.com. We have really great interviews, guys. I mean, Chris and I, we and I'll say this again, Seth. we do not... What? I said, we obsess over this stuff. Yeah. You know, we geek out on this. We love it. It's our passion. And we don't have a regular publication schedule. Because I want good guests. So we're not trying to force a guest down every single day or week to you. We're only trying to find topics of, find of interest to us. And we get the right guests and we publish it. So you can go down and listen to any of these shows. And we're proud to publish them. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you all next time.